Amen. As Pastor Summerlin was preaching in the first service, he was talking about a hammer, what it's good for. It's good to put things together. And I thought to myself, well, I've never known its true purpose because I've torn a lot, a, a lot more things with a hammer than I've put together with a hammer. I never do handyman work around the house. I have to call on somebody to, uh, to do it because a hammer's good for busting things up for me. <laughs> and so, uh, but it was a good word and we pay honor to whom honor is due. Thank you so much for joining us in worship and bringing the message this morning. If you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter six. We're continuing in our series entitled Better Together. Um, week one, I preached through understanding the identity as male and female, how God created us individually, that we're not meant to compete with one another, we're meant to complete one another, amen? Um, and so it was a, a good day looking into the word of God. Pastor preached on answering the call to serve and being better together as a community. And today we're diving into family roles based on biblical patterns. If we pay attention, the scripture always sets patterns out for us that we should pay attention to. Amen? Um, so Genesis chapter 6, we will begin with Noah this morning. Um, verse 5, it says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. When he looks at 2021, it's not the first time that he's seen wickedness, amen? There's been a lot of wickedness in the world beforehand. And he said that every intention of the thoughts of his heart, man's heart, was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. It grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals, creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I'm sorry that I have made them. Verse eight, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Today we're diving into family patterns and maybe you say, I don't have family, I'm single, I'm empty nesters. Anybody empty nesters out there this morning? And you say, I don't know if this applies to me. Um, I got good news for you. In the body of Christ, there are no outs. Just a call for us to come down, come and lay down our lives and serve. We serve. We have church family and we are called to serve one another. You need your church family, and your church family needs you. I've watched so many families over the past few weeks as they've gone through just difficult circumstances. I've seen our church family do an incredible job in surrounding those who are hurting and broken and provide love and care. And how many of you know we need our family? We need our church family, amen? Um, it's been said that your friends should double your joys and half your sorrows. And I believe that's what church family does, is they help build us up in the good times, and then they help carry us through in the times that are tough. And so um, family is vital to humanity. Family unit is vital. This is how God created and structured mankind. And maybe you look at your family and say, I don't know if you structured this chaos in my life, because my family is crazy, right? Some of us Maybe some of y'all, my family's pretty good. I got good family, but maybe some of y'all, y'all have crazy families and you wonder, God did not structure this chaos. Well, he put the word sanity in the midst of insanity and he put you in the midst of your family to bring sanity to the crazy. And so you have purpose in your family. The family unit is one of the first pictures 
of the church and scripture. In scripture, we see what happens when families are led well, but then we also see what happens when families are not led well, right? We see the successes of families in scripture, and we see God do incredible things through families in scripture, but we also see the atrocities of when families are not properly led in scripture. And in today's culture, we see the exact same thing. And it breaks my heart as a pastor to see so many things that are preventable take place, right? So many things in our health are preventable, yet we allow them to take place in our health just because it's comfortable or appetizing. And it's the same thing within the family unit. So many things are preventable, yet they take place and it should break and grieve our heart. Don't give up on the good habits of your walk of faith. It's a good place to say amen. Don't give up on the good habits of our faith. The scripture says, don't grow weary in well-doing, for we will reap a harvest if we faint not. We will reap a harvest if we do not faint. Successful families do consistently what others do occasionally. Good habits are important. The greatest legacy we can leave our family is a faith that is transferred from one generation to the next. Pastor has preached that so many times, transferring faith. The greatest legacy that we can leave our families is that of one where our faith is transferred from one generation to the next. James Clear said in his book, Atomic Habits, um, and talking about systems and the importance of systems in our lives and in business, he said, we will not rise to the level of our goals, we will fall to the level of our systems. And so if we do not make our systems good and important, it doesn't matter what our goals may be, we will fall to the level of our systems. And so good faith habits are vital if we wanna have successful families. Because we can say, hey, I've got a goal that I wanna have a solid family. I got a goal that I wanna have a godly family. I've got a goal that I wanna have a family serving the Lord. But if we do not put systems in place within our families to accomplish that, we will never rise to the level of our goals. We will fall to the level of our habits. Goals are good for giving us direction, but systems help us make progress. Goals are good for giving us direction, but systems in our families, in our homes, in business, in leadership, and in life will help us make progress. We all have systems, right? We all have systems, whether good or bad. You look at the home and your home, whether it's good or bad, the chaos or the lack of chaos is because of the systems within the home. The product of our lives, our home, is the result of the systems that we have, and so create, create, create good family systems. Jesus' last words were to go into all the world and make disciples. And if we want to have transferring faith, we have to disciple our families. A couple questions before we dive deep this morning. When is the last time you got into the Word together as a family? If we want to have a godly family, we've got to dive into the Word together. When is the last time as a family you got around the Scripture and you got into the Word? When is the last time that you prayed together as a family. Not, not before meal or now I lay me down to sleep prayer, but you actually prayed 
together. You had a time of prayer, a time of interceding together as a family. When is the last time that you took notes from the sermon and talked about pastor's sermon or talked about what kids learned and in kids' church? These are, part, these are a part of the systems of driving what we believe home. Your spiritual systems in your home will have great impact upon your children. My, my, my son last night, he spent the night with my parents. And um, I, I got to church this morning. I was bringing the clothes in um, so that my mom could get them dressed this morning before church. And as soon as I walked into the office, my son looked at me and said, Daddy, where's my money? I was like, excuse me? He's like, where's my money? And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, my money for offering. There's a system in place that every Sunday, every Wednesday, Mama, gets money, sets it aside for him to take money to have for offering. If we give, they will give, amen? If we pray, they will pray. If we teach, they will be sure to follow. It's gotta be systematic, and it all starts in the home, and if we can get the home right, God will lead us through this crazy world, amen? Genesis chapter six, verse five. Fathers, write this down, or the priests of the home. Noah was a righteous man. And I love how Moses, when he's writing the account of Genesis, he gives us the condition of the world, right? What we are experiencing now is nothing new to God. It's nothing new to mankind. The trials, the tragedies, the successes, the highs, the lows, everything, it's gone through it. Ecclesiastes, or, yeah, Ecclesiastes says there is nothing new under the sun. We are not the first ones to face a wicked world. Noah, he faced a, a wicked world and everything man did seem to progressively be more evil. Every intention of the thoughts of man's heart was evil and the Lord regretted. He grieved that he had made mankind. Ouch, right? That's a tough spot to be in in the world. This is a wicked time, but isn't it interesting in scripture and in today's setting that God shows up in the midst of wicked times. Regardless of what goes wrong in the world, don't count God out. His truth will shine brighter in the darkest of times. God's got 2021, God's got 2022, God's got 2023, and every year to follow. He is sovereign, he is on his throne. Don't count God out. Every intention of man may be evil, but God knows how to show up and flip the script. He knows how to show up and turn scenarios around, and he still has a remnant of people who are consecrated, connected, and dedicated to himself. And in walks a man named Noah. When God says, I've grieved that I've made mankind, then there's, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Are there any Noahs amongst us today? Men with righteousness, men that are consecrated, men that are faithful, set apart unto the working of God for his kingdom and his glory. See, Noah was a righteous man. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah's righteousness, get this, it caught God's attention. Don't mistake it. God takes note of your consecration, dads. 
God takes note of your dedication. He takes note of your surrender because his presence, it will mark your life. As fathers and as men, we must consecrate our lives to the Lord. How do we do this? How do we lead our families well? We cannot lead our families well if we first do not lead ourselves well. We first have to be consecrated as men. Dad, your walk with the Lord is vital. There will be an overflow of your life and to your family, whether it's good or bad. There will be. If you've ever flown before, right? And you're, you're, you're getting on the plane, you get seated, put the seatbelt out or on, and you're taxiing down the, the runway, and the flight attendant comes on and starts doing the safety talk. She says to take the oxygen mask and put on yourself before you help those around you. If you try to put on their mask before your mask, you're gonna end up being a lame duck. And if we try to lead them in the faith before we lead ourselves in the faith, we're gonna be a lame duck. We have to first lead ourselves well. Don't preach to the fam if we're not first preaching to ourselves, if we're not first consecrating ourselves to the Lord. How do you lead your family well? How do you lead others well? First, lead yourselves well. Understand who you are. Dad, you are the priest of the home. You are the thermostat. You set the temperature. You're not a thermometer. You don't adjust to the climate of the home, but you set the climate of the home. I love what Joshua said. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What's he doing? He's setting the temperature of what his house is going to look like. He's setting the temperature of what his family is going to look like. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're not thermometers. We are thermostats. Amen? When you understand your identity, you will stand taller. You'll think higher, you'll care deeper. Understand your God-given identity. Dads, fathers, single men, empty nesters. It applies to the church family. How do we do this? Craft a plan. What can you do? What can you do to create a better spiritual atmosphere in your home? What can you do? The home is like a garden. We have to be committed to cultivation. A garden has to be carefully cultivated. What was Adam's responsibility? We went through biblical manhood two weeks ago. What was Adam's responsibility? He was, he was charged by God to be the cultivator of the ground. Who's charged by God to be the cultivator of the family? The man, the priest of the home. Adam's responsibility was to cultivate the garden. Men, your responsibility is to cultivate your home. Your family is a garden that has to be cultivated. There are times for turning and plowing the soil. There are times for watering. There are times for planting. There are times for fertilizing. There are times for weeding. But then there comes a time after all of that work is done, a time for harvesting. Right, we often want the fruit, but we don't want the process. And to get the fruit, we have to go through the process of tilling the soil, weeding the soil, planting the seed, going through all of these things. And so fathers, you have to cultivate the garden of your home. Create a plan. Do you need to start doing devotions and jumping into the word on Monday evening? 
Do you need to do prayer time with your family on Thursday evening where you set aside times? My, my, my goal is to be super practical. You know how I normally preach. I'm trying to be very practical because we've got to get handles on our family and get our families back together. And so think through this as men. Do you need to set aside times on Thursday nights to, to, to set around 15, 20 minutes where you just pray together as a family? Or we have Mission of Hope coming up in a couple of weeks. You should have all gotten an email last night about that. But serve together as a family. If you don't want children who feel entitled, teach them to serve. Don't portray an attitude of entitlement if we don't want them. We are called to serve and to give of ourselves. And so teach them that pattern through serving in outlets like Mission of Hope. Take out your phone. Set a reminder today at 4 p.m. Why 4 p.m.? That's after the Jags game. And, um, and talk together as a family. Bring them in. Get their buy-in. And say, hey, what can we do to create a better spiritual climate within our home? That's your homework. Do it right now. Get your phone out. Set a time. If you need some adjustments, set a time this afternoon and have the talk. Men, initiate that. Noah was a righteous man in a wicked generation. And because of his righteousness, the scripture says God made a covenant with Noah. Because of his faith, his family was allowed safe entrance into the ark. It wasn't the faith of his children. It wasn't the faith of his wife. It was the faith and the righteousness of Noah that gave them safe entrance into the ark. Make no mistake, Dad, your family will enjoy the reward of your consecration. Your family will enjoy the reward of your consecration. Maybe you don't have children, maybe you're empty nesters, you have church family, Dig in, dive in, and serve in the church family. Let's talk about mom. Flip over to Exodus chapter two. Exodus chapter two, verse one. Moses is writing, giving us the background here. It says, now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. And she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. Moms, the children of Israel had been living in Egypt close to 400 years at this point. And this wasn't a good time in world history. It wasn't a good time in Egypt's history, right? Um, there's a reason everybody always wants out of Egypt. Egypt's racism and xenophobia was leading to the mass genocide of the Israelites. And God takes notice. Exodus 2.23 says the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. And their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant. God does not forget his covenant. He remembers, he hears, he listens. And so God saw the people of Israel and God knew. God, he knows your pain. 
God, he knows the problems. He knows the tragedy, and he shows up in the midst of tragedy. Scripture says he is a very present help in times of trouble and in times of difficulty. It's vital that we keep the faith. Our faith is a persevering faith. Yes, we need a transferring faith, but we need a faith to persevere, to persevere in the good times and to persevere in the bad times. When things don't make sense, we gotta have a faith that will cause us to keep our hands to the plow and not look back, but to look forward, knowing that God is faithful and he is a rewarder of those who will diligently seek him. A faith that calls us to continue the course despite the difficulty. A faith that will cause us to go forward in difficult seasons. This is what Israel did. See, Moses, he was born into a Levitical family to a mom named Jochebed. Exodus 2.2 says that his mom looked at him and saw that he was a fine child. The wording here is used one other place in scripture. And it was in day number six of creation when God looked at man and said he was very good. Meaning there was a special creative act of God in this moment. And so with Moses... The same wording used means that there was a special creative act of God in the birthing and in the giving of Moses. Moses was a fine child. It was no ordinary child. It was an extraordinary child who would bring about a great deliverance. And this extraordinary child was entrusted to an extraordinary mother. One who would go to great lengths to preserve him. One who would sacrifice, would not sacrifice him to the systems of the world. Are there any mamas like Jochebed who will go to great lengths to preserve the spiritual heritage of your children? Who will not sacrifice them to the perverse systems of the world? Who will say, hey, we're going to be transformed. We're not going to be conformed. Amen? Romans 12 says, I appeal I appeal by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Why do you think this man has a sound mind? 829 times is why. 829 times is why? Because he's in the word, knowing, renewing the mind. There is a spirit. There is a spirit that seeks to mold us and make us to the pattern of the world. There is a spirit that wants us to be conformed. But Paul says, don't be conformed, be transformed. And to do that, we have to present ourselves as a living sacrifice so that we may know, we may understand the will of God. Why did Jochebed not sacrifice Moses? Because she knew the will of God. And when the will of the king contradicted the will of God, Jochebed, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, said, uh-uh, I ain't bowing to the patterns of the world. I will go to whatever risk I have to take to preserve the remnant, the heritage, the child that God has placed in my arms. Mothers, make no mistake, the same spirit exists in the world. One that wants to devour your children. Spiritual mamas know there is a spirit wanting to devour the children in this church. Maybe they don't have a good mom. Maybe they don't have a good dad. And maybe that's why they make you scratch your head. Well, guess what? Get in their lives and help lead them and guide them rather than scratching your heads and complaining about things. 
This is what God calls us to as his church. We need mamas that will rise up against the devil. Mamas who will walk in authority. Mamas that will tell the devil, no, not today, not ever. As for me, as for my seed, we will serve the Lord. Your child, your child is no ordinary child, but an extraordinary child. One that God saw fit to place into your loving care. One that he purposed in his infinite sovereignty into your hands and into your care, not somebody else's care. One that he called you to nurture. One that he called you to and will prepare you for and to prepare them for in their upcoming life. Notice, Jochebed's child was not kept from the waters of the Nile. He was just prepared for it. The Nile to me represents the world, represents life. And at some point, at some point as parents, we've gotta let them go, but they better be prepared. We better not throw them in, we better prepare them to be placed in and put into this world. This summer I had two goals with uh, my oldest. One was to help him learn how to ride his bike, right, without training wheels, and the other was to swim, both of which we got just like last week, and so I was pushing the, pushing the deadline. But at some point, I had to let go of the seat. At some point, I had to let him try to swim, and I'm thinking, this is my first kid, so it's like trial and error. I'm thinking I'm about to kill him, right? We're, we're letting him go in the water. I did everything that I knew how to do, and we took the floaties and the life jackets off, and we let him go swim, but the worst thing I could have done was just throw him in. I had to prepare him for, right? We have to do our due diligence as parents to prepare our children for the things that they are going to face in life. Too many times we're just throwing the kids in and we're letting society take care of them. God wants you as a mama to take great care and to craft an art to place them in, right? To set them up for success. Can you imagine Jacobed's thought process on this? When she is crafting that basket for this baby named Moses, every strand and every fiber had to be tightly woven. She knew that Moses's life depended on it. She, she knew that she had weaved that basket. She had pulled on it, made sure it was tight. She had taken the bitumen and the, 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 the pitch and had put all over it, looked into the basket, evaluated it, knowing that if she makes an error, he drowns. You better know it went through quality control. She went over it time and time again, I guarantee you, spent hours making a basket to place them, to place him in. She took incredible care. Mama, when's the last time you weaved a basket for your child? When's the last time you've weaved a spiritual basket for your child to be placed in, to weather the waters of the Nile? Yeah, there's dangerous things in the Nile. They can drown, there's crocodiles, there's all kinds of unsafe things, but the reality is at some point we have to place them in. They better be ready for when they are placed in that water. 
Moses' mom most likely had him for three or four years. When's the last time you broke out the anointing oil and you prayed over that child? When's the last time you said, "Uh uh-uh, we're gonna pray about it right now and you lathered them down in anointing oil, pleading the blood of Jesus over that child. See, mothers like Jochebed, they don't play it safe. They're willing to lay it all down. They're willing to risk it all. They're willing to go to great lengths to preserve the seed that God allowed them to carry. And Moses who was in grave danger because of a mama that was willing to risk it all, ended up receiving royal protection. I just wonder if mamas, if we will not conform to the patterns of the world, if we will go to great lengths to save our children from grave danger, will they might receive royal protection from heaven on high? That if we train them up in the ways of the Lord, when they are old, they will not depart from it because he is faithful to keep his word and keep those who we commit to him. If we will be faithful, if we will be faithful as parents, are we willing to risk it all? One pastor said as parents, your job is to train your children to no longer need you. In a good way, in a good way. To love them so well so that when they no longer need you, they want you. Train your kids. Train your kids so that they no longer need you, but do it in such a loving way, so when they no longer need you, they want you, because they love you. We have to be loving in our nurturing. Let's jump over to kids, we're running down on time. Some people scratch their heads when it comes to kids these days. I cling to God's promise. Acts 2.17 says, and in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters. Your sons and your daughters. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. You want to know why there's a war for this generation? Because God has made them a promise, and the devil wants to do everything that he can to thwart the promise of God from coming into fulfillment. And so, yes, there's an all-out war on a generation to keep them from inheriting this promise of this fulfillment, this overflow from heaven. God wants wants to pour his spirit out into your life students. God wants to pour his spirit out into your children, moms and dads, and we've got to position them through the patterns we set for success to help create a vessel that they are ready to receive the outpouring of his spirit. But students, you gotta be available. You gotta be consecrated. Isaiah eleven six says, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion, and the fattened calf together. And watch this. And a little child shall lead them. In God's restorative work, he desires for the children to lead. Understand that. In God's restorative work, he desires for the children to lead. Why does the enemy want to destroy this generation? Because God has made them a promise. Because God is calling them for such a time as this. Jesus said, let the little children come unto me and and, and forbid them not for such. To such belongs the kingdom of heaven. 
God's desire is for the children to come to him and for him to pour himself into. But as moms and as dads, we've got to set a good pattern to help them be set up for that infilling of his presence. Here's how the devil attacks from one generation to the next. He attacks the youth. He attacks the youth in discovering their purpose. He attacks adults in how they use their purpose. And he attacks the seniors in making them feel like they have no purpose. And it's all about purpose. Because God says, I know the plans I have for you. And so at every stage of the game, he's going to attack the discovery, the use, and try to bring about the loss of purpose. And we cannot cling to what the enemy wants us to think. We've got to cling to the promise that God has made that our children will have their, the Spirit of God poured into their lives and that young and old alike will be useful. Amen? Young and old alike will have purpose. Children, don't take the bait. Be available for His Spirit to be poured out into your life with the worship team if you would come. Love your parents. Honor your parents. Be salt and be light. And when your parents miss it, and they will. And when your parents miss it, your siblings miss it, and they will. Be forgiving, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. For our siblings, forgive like Joseph did to his brothers. Maybe you're adults and you have some issues with your siblings. God's calling you to forgive as well. It's about family. Maybe there's some things separating your family right now as adults, as, as siblings, and there's some issues, maybe some things that took place in the past. What did Joseph do? He didn't view the problem, he viewed the opportunity that God had allowed it to preserve a people for his glory. Forgive, be kind, be tenderhearted as Christ has forgiven us. If we wanna see this world right, we gotta get the family right, amen? If you would go ahead and stand with this morning. Dads, moms, kids, told you I was going to preach very practical homework today four o'clock after the Jags game craft a plan craft a plan your family depends on it if your family's not healthy this world's not going to be healthy bang our head upside the wall when we watch the news. And <laughs> Pastor said, if you watch the news that much, your damage is self-inflicted. Watch something else. But we bang our head up against the wall when we see all the things going on. But have we crafted our plan? Have we got the log out of our eye? By not developing, pastoring, discipling our own families before pointing our finger out there. We've got to get it right in here. Altar call is going to be a little different today. 
should grab if you're standing by your spouse. Y'all just begin to pray. If you're by your spouse, I want you to just begin to pray and intercede over your, your family, your posterity. Maybe you're not standing by your spouse, you're standing beside church family. Begin to pray over your church family. Remember I said there are no outs in the kingdom of God. We should all be praying with one another, for one another, bearing one another's burdens. Begin to just pray. We've gotta have healthy homes. Come on, just begin to pray. Cry out that God give you a healthy home. Dads, cry out that God will help you lead faithfully, spiritually, admonishing your family in this most holy faith. Moms, that God will help you to nurture so many here that need nurturing in this house, moms. If you don't have biological children, there are so many that need your love and your care. Come on, just begin to pray. Begin to cry out. Cry out for revival in the home. It starts here. It starts with us making commitment, with making covenant. God remembered his covenant. It starts with us. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Maybe there's some things that, as a family, you need to surrender. I'll, I'll open up these altars right now. If you need to come to the front, begin just to pray and give God some things. Maybe there's some forgiveness that needs to be had. I want you to come down to these altars right now and just begin to pray and intercede that God will help you. These altars are, are open. God longs for you to have a pure family, a holy family, a family that is consecrated and dedicated unto Him. Father, we just come before you right now and we pray over the families of this house. God, we know what Jeremiah says, that you have plans and purpose for them. Father, may we consecrate ourselves as family to you well. God, may we surrender our lives, may we dedicate our lives and know that if we put the right systems, the right things in place, God, we can trust you to be faithful to perform the word that you have spoken. God, I pray over children, maybe that they're prodigals this morning. If you've got prodigals, I want you to just begin to cry out for them this morning. Call them home right now. I know some of the stories, they need to come home. Just begin to intercede and pray over prodigals in your home. Father, we pray for those that maybe they were raised in the ways of the Lord, but Father, they've departed. We ask that you would call them home in Jesus' name. Begin to stir in their hearts. Begin to stir in their lives. Woo them. Spirit of God, woo them. Bring them back in. God, I pray for every dad, every father, every spiritual father in this house this morning, that Father, you would help them to walk out their calling, being the priests of the home in a godly way, in a godly fashion, that they will not sacrifice to the system of the world, but Father, they will make a stand in a wicked generation. They will set the climate, they will set the temperature in the house, Father, and that they will make commitment and covenant, like Joshua said, as for us, we will serve the Lord. God, for every mom, bless them with a nurturing, willing to lay it all down on the line, life like Jochebed, to nurture the fine, extraordinary children that you have given.
Jesus' name. And Father, for our kids. Come on, if you're standing by your kids this morning, I want you to just begin to prophesy and speak over them. Begin calling them by name right now. Father, we declare over our kids that, Father, your spirit is going to be poured out. That, God, on our sons and on our daughters, we are going to see a radical shift, a radical change. Because in the last days, your promise is your promise. And, Father, we believe you that your word, it will accomplish everything everything it was intended to do in Jesus name in Jesus name with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed this morning if you're here this morning and there's some things spiritually that are out of bounds or out of line that you need to give to the Lord just maybe you're you, you drifted maybe you're uh, maybe you're unsaved maybe you need to just give your life to the Lord first or maybe you've drifted far away. God is calling you home and with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you need to give your life to the Lord or make things right with the Lord, I want you to slip up your hand right now. Maybe as a dad, you've missed the mark. Maybe as a mom, you've missed the mark. It's okay not to be okay. We just can't stay that way, amen? If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand right now. Come on, hands are going up. Hey, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come down to the front, and we want to pray specifically with you right now. If you saw somebody beside you put their hand up, walk them down to the altar together, and I want us to begin to pray. Families, we've got to get them right. Come on, come on. If you slipped up their hands, there was a number of hands. Just come down right now and let's pray and believe for the power of God as the worship team leads us through right now. Prayer team, if you would come to the front. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your promise for our children and for the ones who are to come in Jesus' name. Hey, the worship team is going to lead us right now in this song. If some of our altar workers, if you would come down to the front and pray. I give myself away.
Numbers chapter 6, verse 22, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his son saying, thus you shall bless the people of God. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of God and I will bless them. If you need help walking this journey out, you gotta have community around you. There's a connection card in the pew in front of you. Grab that, put it in one of the drop boxes or to our new here tent in the lobby. We wanna help surround you with godly community that will double your joys and half your sorrows, amen. Also, don't forget about baptisms tonight and night of worship. Father, we thank you for your word and we just pray your blessing upon your people. God, may we get our families right to where we are healthy, dedicated, consecrated to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.